and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Quick Shifts, TKS style. I just said it like that because I thought I was funny, but I'm really not. Hello, everyone. My name is Tyler Kuehl, the insider of the insiders. And yes, round one right now is coming to a close here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and let me tell you, it just seems like it's starting to fly by. Isn't that a great thing? With everything going on right now, with all the COVID, and all of a sudden, everything starts to slow down a little bit. Isn't that nice that now everything's just kind of speeding up? We're getting towards 2021. We can see it in the distance, thanks to the playoffs. Whether you're watching hockey or basketball or even baseball, which continues to have games postponed because of COVID. But I digress. It's good to see the fact that it's starting to move along a little bit here. Only a few games left in round one. Only a couple series remaining. We'll get to all those. But... We must first thank you. I must first thank you, Tyler Kuehl here, thanking you for watching today's episode of TKS, whether you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, on 12 Ounce Sports, or Zingo TV, channel 761, sign up with 12 Ounce as the promo code, or if you're watching the replay on the Kuehl Show YouTube channel or listening to the Kuehl Show on your favorite podcatcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, I'm pretty sure there's some other one that I'm not being able to list right now. Spotify. My gosh, I almost forgot about that one. Make sure you also get involved with today's episode. Use the hashtag TKS. Jump in the chats, whether you're chatting on Facebook, on Twitter, or even YouTube. Make sure you let us know where you're from, where you're at, where you're listening from, where are you watching. Let us know. And also, follow us. Follow us on the at The Kula Show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're everywhere. We're letting you know where we're at. Because I know where I'm going to be at coming up this Saturday. Denver, Colorado. That's where I'll be. Monday, I'll be there broadcasting live. Alex will actually be on as well. He'll be broadcasting back here in Grand Rapids. We'll have a little dual screen action. Did some testing yesterday. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Hopefully, that all works out. We got a lot to get to today here in this one-hour show before we get to the profits at 7 o'clock here on 12 Ounce Sports. We got a lot to go to today. And make sure you also... Check out our sponsors, mybookie.ag, down here in the right corner. Make sure you check them out for all of your sports betting, whether you're betting on base, basketball, awful movie, basketball, baseball, football. It's coming up here in just a few weeks, despite not having any preseason. They're apparently still going to have the NFL. You can bet on that. Use the promo code 12OUNCHSPORTS to sign up for free. Bet on all sports, win, and get paid. And, of course, Second String Leather Company right up here in the right corner. Make sure you check them out, secondstringleather.com. Hashtag crafted from the crease. Still 50% off all Collection 5 wallets. I am thinking about buying one. Maybe not. The wife is checking all of those finances right now. We're getting a puppy when we come back from Colorado, so we're going to have to obviously spend a little bit of money on her and because her being the puppy. The puppy's a girl. We're getting a girl puppy. But we will. So we'll be checking on it, but I'll be certain to get some of my swag from secondstringleather.com. On today's program, we're going to talk, we're going to do a little bit differently this week. We're not just going to do East and then West. We're going to talk about the series that have already wrapped up. Four series in the last couple of days have finished all in five games, shockingly enough. Almost had all four yesterday. Elimination Wednesday, three out of four. Not too bad. 75% is still a C, which in most universities is passing. So if you're a team that was trying to move on to the second round, you passed, except for one team. Okay, maybe math and hockey don't exist. Like basic math and basic hockey don't quite go together. I mean, analytics and, and statistics and stuff like that, but you know what I mean. 
Sorry, I've had my second cup of coffee just before the show, so the brain is trying to slow it down to the point where I'm focused, but the energy's there, which is a good thing after Monday's show, because Alex and I both agreed it was a little little hazy. But we'll wrap up the show by talking about the games to come, including tonight's games between Washington and New York Islanders and the nightcap, the game between the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars. So let's jump right into it. In the Western Conference, a series that wrapped up, the number one seed Vegas Golden Knights knocking off the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, as great as the story of the Blackhawks getting in around one and obviously also Montreal, which we'll get to later on in today's show, it was going to happen. Chicago was so outmatched in this series that it was going to be tough for them to really hang in there. Except here's the thing, at least going in, that was the idea going into the series. We kind of saw that in the last couple of games, particularly game four, which ironically, that's the one where the Hawks won because Corey Crawford stood on his head. The first three games of this series, they were so evenly matched. And, you know, we talked with Brett Pickler on Monday, how close the matchups were because the Hawks, they were, you know, the experience kind of came into fruition there. And yes, this is a Vegas Golden Knights team that has a lot of players that were on that 2018 Western Conference Championship team, but the Hawks had done it so many times before that they know how to win those kind of games. So that's why it was such a tight battle. I mean, I think the the biggest score margin was two. No game really got out of hand. Credit to the Hawks. They did a magnificent job. But of course, it all came to an end on Tuesday evening. Knights winning by a score of four to three. And the Hawks, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest with you guys. I thought the Hawks were going to force a game six. They started out strong. Jonathan Taves bangs in his fifth of the playoffs, first of the series. And then how about that one goal by Alex DeBrincat? How about Connor Murray coming in late, picks it up on the forehand, spins around, feeds it over to Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom, who I think had a real good coming out party. He's been a guy that since he made a jump to the NHL, he's been a guy that's underperformed, at least by a lot of us who watched him in junior hockey. We knew how good he was, and it's good to see him kind of finally starting to take that step towards, not only say a star, but a good quality NHLer. Feeds it for Debrinkat and Debrinkat. He scores goals. That's what he does. It was 2-0 at that point. But then the Vegas Golden Knights say, you know what? We ain't stinking playing anymore. We want to play golf. Heck, we saw today Nate Schmidt playing with Marc-Andre Fleury. I follow them on Instagram, whatever. They were at the golf course today because they wanted to play golf. So they got this over with. Max Pacioretty scoring his first goal of the postseason. And then Mark Stone with the deflection early in period two. Both goals late in the first. Pacioretty's goal late in the first. Stone's early in the second. Those goals are very important in a game. You always hear the saying, a goal in the first five minutes of a period of the last five minutes are crucial. They could really alter the game, and it really did because Chicago was not able to fully recover after that. Patrick Kane did score on a beautiful play where he just absolutely undressed Robin Leonard, but then Alex Martinez scores on the power play just a little bit later. Then Alex Tuck early in the third scores the game-winning goal, and you know what? I'll be honest with you guys. Despite all the flack I give Corey Crawford for not being a top-notch goaltender these days. He looked solid the last few games, guys. We saw the vintage Corey Crawford. Vintage Corey Crawford, as Mike Cole, Michael Cole would say if this were WWE. But 35 saves held the Hawks in the game. I don't really blame him. Yeah, he looked shaky during the qualifying round. The Hawks, the team in front of him, were able to get him out of the jam. But this series would have been a lot different. This series would have been over a lot faster had it not been for Corey Crawford. Yes, it would have been one game difference, but... It would not have been as close, though, either. Corey Crawford did a magnificent job, and 
you know, his health and, you know, his ability to stay in the lineup has been an issue over the last few seasons. Hence why Chicago got Robin Leonard before this season started and they had to trade him because, well, I mean, they needed to, they realized they could get a lot for Leonard at the trade deadline. And I know there's some people out of the media, I'm like, man, they didn't do themselves any favors. Yeah. Cause Chicago didn't think they were going to be in the playoffs guys. This, I mean, this was, this was kind of a, Hey, let's get rid of Leonard. Let's get something in return. We got Malcolm Subban. We'll see if he can actually come out and prove that he can be an everyday angel goaltender. We'll see. They didn't expect to actually be in the playoffs. They didn't expect to be going up against the high powered Edmonton Oilers and have a shot, but Corey Crawford looked good. You know, if he can stay healthy, he can do some damage. I think this wins this, at least getting to this point in the postseason is big for Chicago of, you know, a mixer, a mixture of Stanley cup champions and a bunch of young kids that have joined the team. And since they've joined the team, they haven't had any playoff success. The team has not won a round in the Stanley Cup playoffs since 2015. They have in- struggled mightily in terms of just getting into the playoffs. So, th- I mean, yes, obviously this year was a little bit different having the 2014 playoff format, but the fact they're able to get in and compete against the team that proved to be the top seed in the West is good, good things to come in the Windy City. The other series, that was not a little hard. It was not as close as the Chicago-Vegas series. That was Colorado and Arizona. Avs win the series 4-1 after their second 7-1 victory in a row. Listen, after game three, after Darcy Kemper stood on his head, I said, all right, Darcy Kemper's going to lead him. I tweet out there, and he said, cons my trophy to Kemper, even if they lose the series. And then 14 goals the next two games. Boy, the broadcaster jinx is awful, isn't it, guys? Holy cats. I mean, he... Listen, I... It looked like an absolute just massacre. They're, the abs realize, all right, we just got to put the puck in the net. And, you know, you got to look at a guy, first of all, like Nazem Kadri. Six goals now for Kadri in this postseason, or six goals, excuse me, that he was helping with. Six points in the series, four goals, five assists, nine points. At this time, he's currently tied for the team lead, tied for the league, the league lead. In playoff points, Sammy Gerrard and Nikita Zadorov also added goals. Nathan McKinnon scoring a pair in the game five clincher for the Avs. And you know what? I, you feel I feel for the Coyotes. I really thought that had been. I knew Colorado was going to win, but it, you thought maybe Kemper was going to win a couple more. I said in seven because man, if Kemper Kemper can steal some games, which he did in game three. You just saw though the last couple games the Coyotes just broke down defensively. They were exhausted. They were tired. And listen, they were done before game five even started. That was that's the sad part in all this is because you knew that they were going to be exhausted. It was going to be a tough go against a very, very talented Colorado team, a team that the power plays clicking. They have two goaltenders they could play if they wanted to. Philip Grubauer getting 23 saves in the game five win. You know, we'll talk obviously a little bit more on Monday with our round two preview with Colorado, but you know, they're, I don't, I'm not saying that this is, a, this is the sign right here that they're going to be the Stanley Cup contender that everyone's talking about. I just think that this series was good. Just kind of, you know, with some competitive games now, they were able to really fine tune themselves because in round two, looking at the teams they could be facing, this could be obviously a much different matchup. Could be a little bit of a tougher matchup for Colorado moving forward. So just kind of being able to, I don't want to use the word practice, but being able to really get and, you know, getting a good rhythm heading into the next round when the games will get a little bit tougher, a little bit grittier for the offense to be clicking the way it was. That's good for Colorado moving forward. Now over to the Eastern Conference. Boy, were we wrong this year. 
I, I was funny. I was doing the stat lines. I was starting to do some of the stat lines for Alex and I's predictions after last night's games. And I'm like, man, we were off on a couple of them. I mean, we picked, obviously, picked Vegas to win, picked Colorado to win. Columbus and Tampa. We thought Columbus was going to handle Tampa. We didn't think Tampa looked any good. I mean, they were good, but then again, the teams in the East and the round robin weren't that hard to beat. I mean, Washington looked soft. Boston looked soft. Yes, I know Boston moved down. We'll get to them here in just a minute. But we thought Columbus, the way the defense structure they have and the way they handled the, I guess, I'd say, even more healthy Tampa Bay Lightning last year, now going into this year, I thought they'd be the same thing. A little bit of a different story. A, Vasilevsky made a lot more saves, especially in the last couple of games. And Victor Hedman was in the lineup. Even though they don't have Steven Stamkos, Tampa Bay still looked like a very good hockey team. Not quite as good as the 62-win team last year, but much better, obviously, than last year's playoffs. And then, again, they actually made it out of the first round this year. You got to look at, of course, Game 5 win. After Game 1, five overtimes, who would, who better to end the series and the guy who ended game one brain point scores in overtime. But man, you honest, we honestly thought I'm watching this game yesterday. I'm like, all right, cool. We'll have a game. We'll have a game five tomorrow. I tomorrow would have been Friday, whatever. Cause I'm watching the game yesterday at work. I'm like, all right, Columbus has got this because even though Tampa came out flying with goals from Tyler Johnson and Blake Coleman, we're like, all right, Columbus is not in a bad spot, but it's, you know, it's early, so they can maybe have a chance to come back. Nick Foligno scores before the end of the first period. That's good. Kevin Stenland. How about a power play goal for him? And then Wenberg gets another. All right, 3-2 lead. Then Bjorkstrand scores 4-2. We're like, all right. Columbus has got a bunker down. Corpus has got to make a few saves, and they got this. And, oh, my gosh, Kevin Shattenkirk actually scored a goal. Listen, I know it's a big shot from the point, Shattenkirk. But the way Corpus had played all postseason long, and even the big save he made in the first period before giving up those two goals, he's looked so solid throughout this entire playoff that that goal, based on the saves he made previously, that should be a gimme. Goes right underneath the blocker. It's a hard shot, yeah, but Kevin Shanker doesn't have the hardest shot in the world, guys. He was square to it. He saw it all the way. Shattenkirk just beat him. Is it Now, actually, that's a great question. Did Shattenkirk score on Corpusalo, or did Corpusalo just not stop Shattenkirk? I know it sounds like the same question, but if you think about it, that's one that Corpusalo's got to have. That makes it a one-goal game, and then somehow Anthony Sorelli has his skate in the right spot, deflects off his skate and goes in, ties the game late in the final minutes, and then going into overtime. I mean, it's at that point, Tampa's got all the momentum, and I, I literally sat there. I was looking at a buddy at mine at work. I'm like, who, who's not the biggest hockey guy, but he's followed it because, well, that's all there is. There's hockey and basketball and sometimes baseball. He's looking at it, and I'm like, I look, I'm like, Tampa's going to win. Tampa's going to win because they had all the momentum. And Jackets outshot the Lightning, which did happen in game four as well. But this time, they brutally outshot them. 41 to 25 were the shots in the game in favor of Columbus. But Braden Point ends it with his fifth of the playoffs. Just an awful giveaway. Corpusal leaves it for Savard. Savard, I think it was Texier that gave up the puck. I mean, what's, I mean, I will not blame Corpy on that one. That's not Corpusal's fault. That's defensive fault there. That's a poor breakout, awful giveaway. And you know what? You make your own luck. And, and I'm just, I'm bummed because I thought Columbus, at least I don't think they were going to make it all the way. They probably would have ran into Boston again if Boston moved on, which they did. 
but I didn't think they were to make it all the way. But I thought, thought, man, with this defensive structure that Tortorella has, and they're, they're able to get some timely scoring as they did against the Leafs, they have an opportunity here. But they weren't able to get it done. They weren't able to get it done when it mattered most. Corpusalo, the last two games of the series, has arguably his weakest since getting pulled back in game, it was a game three against the Leafs. You know, that's a, I'm not saying that's a question mark for the Blue Jackets because Corpusalo has proved that he can be a number one goaltender in this league. But just the fact that they, when they needed him most, he wasn't able to make the big stops to at least prolong the series. That's going to be a tough pill for Columbus to swallow. And listen, I will, my quick thoughts on the post-game press conference from John Tortorella. He answered two questions. Well, excuse me. He answered one, cut off another guy in a, in a second question. And everyone on Twitter and the social medias are going, oh my gosh, how unprofessional of torts once again. All they want is an end-of-season press conference. They just want to get his thoughts. And what does he do? He just walks off. It's horrible. Listen, guys. If you have not been paying attention for Tortorella is an entire coaching career in his brief broadcasting career as well. He is a no-nonsense kind of guy. If he doesn't want to answer your question, he won't. And I forget the guy who, who asked the question. I, uh, I think it was Insider, Inside Hockey. The gentleman asked about, he was starting to ask, you know, how the team was able to come through the playoffs and whatever, and he and Tortorella, paraphrasing here, said, I don't have time for the mushy stuff. Stay, stay safe and walked off. Your team just lost a heartbreaking game in overtime, ended your season. I mean, Tortorella probably only went up there because the league says, hey, you got to go to your press conference. Because I forget what, how many years ago it was where he actually was forced by the league to stay on the stand for a certain amount of time during the playoffs. The guy doesn't like talking. That's kind of the unfortunate part. I, I, I get it. I get it. People want to hear a story. I'm a, broad, I'm a journalist, broadcast journalist. When I go to a press conference... And I remember I've been in those press conference rooms. You want an answer for your question. And you are a little bummed sometimes when you get a short answer. But you have to respect a coach that just, if he doesn't want to talk, he doesn't want to talk. I've done interviews on this show with folks that aren't, you know, I mean, with players that have not been as open about things. And that's just the way they are. I'm not going to get mad at them. Is it bad for content, bad for the show? Absolutely. But I respect the fact that they have the right to choose what they want to say. If Tortorella wanted to walk off the stand because he didn't want to get all into the mushy-gushy stuff and the moral victories, as he's put it, that's fine. I don't like the fact that people are expecting people to say stuff. And I, Because coming from a former player myself, when you get a mic shoved in front of your face, you say the wrong thing, as we learned with some other people last night, and you're all of a sudden you're all over the all over the news, social media, television, everything, newspapers. You are all of a sudden put in the spotlight for saying something wrong. Remember when Jonathan Bernier told said explained how Nelson Mandela was a hockey player? Remember that? Yeah. Trust me. There's a reason why some players are very private about what they say, or very controlled and concise about what they're going to say. That's kind of the thing I think people need to understand. Tortorella didn't want to say anything because he may have. Listen, there are probably things that were going on in his head that he wanted to say, but he didn't because, well, there are kids around, there's the league paying attention, and he didn't feel like saying anything. So kudos to him. He's his own man, and I appreciate that about him. As Squirrelly Dan would say on Letterkenny, that's what I appreciate about him. So, I mean, tough loss for the Jackets, and we'll see how 
they kind of retool for next season because they still have a very young team and a team that was able to prove that, hey, they could be in the NA. They can really compete despite not having superstar talent. Now, will free agency comes around, will they be able to add some pieces? Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. The other series in the Eastern Conference that ended the Boston Bruins beating the Carolina Hurricanes. <sighs> well, my sweep prediction for the Carolina Hurricanes went back asswards for sure. Boston wins a series four games to one. They won game four earlier this week by a 4-3 score despite Boston trailing 2-0 heading into the third period. And I... <sighs> Quickly about that game, because obviously it was so long ago now, because that was right after our Monday night show. I, it just, it, it brought back, because A, James Reimer was in net, despite making 29 saves. He just got hung out to dry. Carolina just forgot what the heck they were doing in the game. At least the defense was. Jake DeBrus with a pair of goals. Brad Marchand, Connor Clifton. They were outshot 16-2 in the third period. I don't think they had a shot until, what, the 15-minute mark? And of those two shots was a goal by Timo, or Timo Teravine and to actually give the team hope. I don't know why you do that. It's tough because everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, Paul Reimer, do something. I'm like, none of those are Reimer's fault. Okay, maybe the first DeBrusque goal because he came charging out of the goal. Tried to do the Hashik, tried to do the diving poke check, didn't work, all right? It's a risk-reward scenario. He makes the play. He looks like a hero. He misses the play like he did. He's the GOAT. He wears the GOAT horns. But yes, does it bring a lot of back to 2013? Absolutely. And that's, that was the bummer for me because I said on this show during our round one preview, I wanted James Reimer to get the win. And Reimer just... I, it's so tough for me because that, that would have been a great game to win. A win against Boston... In Toronto, the second win of the series, if I'm not mistaken, that would have been huge for A, his confidence, for the team's confidence, because they have two goaltenders. Mrazek goes in in game five, doesn't quite work out. I mean, Hayden Fleury scores first, gives the Carolina Hurricanes some hope, but then Krejci and Bergeron with goals in the second period, and Bergeron just an awful, just an awful bank, because Bergeron's down low, below the goal line. Mrazek sitting there, has, this is why kids, I, I can't honestly, honestly stand up and do it right now for you. But if you're a goaltender that's blocking a pass from below the goal line or at the goal line, your skates should be on the goal line. You don't want it because what if you watch the goal back, the Bergeron goal, which ended up being the game winner, he has, Mrazek has, all right, so how am I going to do this here? Here's the goal post. Here's one of Mrazek's feet on the goal line. The other was out in front. I'm, I'm, I don't know how I can do this diagram. Long story short, it's available. It's open for a pass, a bank pass off of the skate into the net, which is what happened. That's why whenever I see a goaltender put that foot out, they got to be ready to deflect the pass. Because here's the problem, too. Yes, you're not going to allow a cross crease pass if you're Morazic. Obviously, he didn't. The pass went right off his foot into the net. I think Bergeron did that on purpose, to be honest with you. But I, it's just. I don't like the save selection there. I, I'm not saying go reverse VH there, even though Bergeron was close enough that you could drop to the knee, put the paddle down, and block a pass that way. Keep the feet back, though, so if a pass does get in front, you are square to the shooter for the second shot. That is my Tyler Kuehl goaltending coach moment of the week. There you go. But, yes, Rando, Flyers are bad. Flyers are bad. Okay, Rando, we'll get to the Flyers later on in the second half of the show. 
But Halak looks good. David Pashnak, consistent on both the goals, by the way, makes his first appearance in this series since coming back from injury and looked comfortable. Got stopped on the one breakaway by Morazic, but other than that, he looked pretty good. And that power play is clicking for the Bruins. Guys, look out. If that power play gets going with Pashnak being healthy, going forward in these postseason, we realize that top line, despite you know being a three-headed monster, maybe it's being all your talent on one line, they could just run through this Eastern Conference again, and we may be having them back in this Stanley Cup final. I'll be honest with you. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about it on Monday when we do our round two preview, but if Halak can steal the show like he did in 2010, if he can show how good he was in a 1B role now being 1A with Rask out of the picture, good goaltending, solid defense, your offense clicking. Boston may have looked bad in the round robin, guys, but they someone poked the bear. As much as I don't like it, they're going to be a formidable team moving forward into these playoffs. And with that, folks, we're going to take a quick break here on the QL Show. When we come back, we'll preview the upcoming games of the remaining four series in the Stanley Cup playoffs of round one. We'll be back with more of the QL Show right after this here on 12 Ounce Sports. Welcome back to the Kewl Show, everyone. Quick shift edition of TKS here on this Thursday, August the 20th. Next Monday, we will be live in Denver. I will be live in Denver. Alex will be here in Grand Rapids to preview round two of Stanley Cup playoff action. As we still have a few series, though, left. Four have been determined already. Four still to go. Let's get to the games that happened yesterday first. Philadelphia and Montreal. Flyers won game four. Carter Hart, back-to-back shutouts, 29 saves this time. And it really looked like after this game, like, man, is is Montreal going to come alive? Where's the offense? Carey Price, I mean, a couple of, you know, a couple misplays, if you ask me, by him, that Roffle goal, the great shot by Michael Roffle, but you could see Carey Price was a little off angle, and then a weird shot by Philippe Myers that kind of skipped on Price, and like, man, this is how the series is going to end. So you go into game five last night, and the special teams, my goodness, I'm not saying there were a lot of penalties, guys, but the special teams were on point. Four power play goals in the game, one shorthanded. That was Yoel Armia's goal, and just a weird bounce because of a nice dump in play. He was able to take advantage of, and the Canadians were up one nothing. All right, everything's looking good, and then, well, then yes, Barry Kakaniemi happened. Kakaniemi goes and plays in the neutral zone. Travis Sanheim looks to dump the puck in, and Kakaniemi sees him. He's going for him. Guess what, boys and girls? He wasn't stopping. He wasn't stopping for anybody. Sanheim back turned to him, saw the number six. Kakaniemi follows through though. Five in a game for Kakaniemi. On the major power play, right off the hop, Boracek scores on a play that I think it went off of Ben Sherratt off a stick because it kind of knuckled on Carey Price. That tied the game at one. Then towards the end of that major power play, Boracek scores again, this time trying to pass it in front. It goes off Ben Sherratt's skate. Boy, Ben Sherratt had a bad shift on that one. But that just shows you how important your power play can be, especially with a major power play at that. So it was kind of looking a little bit hazy for the Montreal Canadiens. But then everything kind of settled down after the penalty. Still 2-1. Armia scores to tie the game. And then how about this? How about a little Brendan Gallagher? Brendan Gallagher, who has not been, who has not looked like the Brendan Gallagher, a vintage Brendan Gallagher this entire series. Comes alive, gets a little bit physical, bats one and out of the air, a power play goal to give the Habs the lead once again. 
going into the third period. Everything's kind of a little bit crazy. All right. The Habs have the lead. Can they force a game six? Can they stay alive, continue on in this series? And then Joel Farabee scores on the power play after what a lot of Flyers fans thought should have been a penalty shot after Kevin Hayes was hauled down. Hey, guys, the hockey gods are watching. They gave you that one back. Joel Farabee scores. All right. Flyers fans are feeling good. It's 3-3. Everything is great. We got this game. We're going to win. We're going to move on to round two. And Nick Suzuki scores. It was, I mean, you talk about a great play, too, because don't forget, Nick Suzuki had a goal called back on him, which was going to make it 4-2 at a time because, remember, Carter Hart was going to get pulled, but they disallowed the goal. Carter Hart went back in the net. And Jonathan Duran, who's the one that went offside before the Nick Suzuki alleged goal, was able to return the favor a nice feed. And how about the awareness of Nick Suzuki? A rookie center in this league receives a pass instead of just quickly getting it on goal because you hear coaches say all the time, you have an open shot, take the shot, take the shot. What does he do? Presence of mind, sees Carter Hart challenging, just take it around and just eh, right around the left leg of Carter Hart, gives the Canadians the lead. Game gets a little bit physical. Matt Niskanen cross-checks Brandon Gallagher in the face. Goes unnoticed. Gallagher's bleeding everywhere. Look, I'm trying to think of looking like Gene Simmons at a Kiss concert. Just blood going everywhere. He's yelling at everybody. Yelling at the ref. Yelling at the Flyers. Looking like Brandon Gallagher of old. Chirping everybody. And then the Flyers try to make a comeback. Try to tie the game. Phillips Deneau puts in the empty netter and everything is good. Oh, and Sean Couture went after somebody. All right. I mean, that... Literally, guys, this... If you wanted to know what the Flyers and Habs rivalry was. People think, oh, remember their great series in 2010 when they were the 7-8 seed. I'm not talking 2010, guys. How about let's just go back to 1989, 1987. These two teams back in the old Wales Conference days, these two teams used to want to try to kill each other. It was entertainment at its finest. People, if you ever want to look up a rivalry or look at the peak of the Flyers-Habs rivalry, look up the the warm-up brawl I think it was 1987. It was 1987 because it was during the Hextall rookie year where they led the Flyers to Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final. Claude Lemieux, of all people, and was it Shane Corson? Shane Corson would put pucks into the other team's net. Long story short, Flyers picked up on it. They tried to pin the net up against the boards to make sure they wouldn't do that. The Canadians went back on the ice, turned around the net, tried to shoot at it, and the Flyers saw that, and they were flying out like... Both locker rooms were flying on the ice. The only two guys that were not on the ice, Patrick Waugh and Ronnie Hextall. And the great story is, it was that Ronnie Hextall, before he found out what was going on, is Mike Keenan locked him in the utilities closet in the old Montreal Forum to make sure he would not get out onto the ice. That's the story. I'm not, I have to, I'd love to talk to Mike Keenan about that one because Hextall said that he was just going to go out there just to make sure everyone was okay. And anyone who knew Ron Hextall or ever watched him played realized that that would be a lie. Hextall would have gone after every person and probably the popcorn vendor up in the top row there at the forum just because that's the kind of guy Hextall was. But back to this series. Couturier goes after Arturi Lekkinen after Dino's goal. Leads to a kind of bit of a scuffle. You have Jakub Voracek flying in like Jimmy Superfly Snuka with a crossbody into the pile. Just a whole kerfuffle. Great way to end a playoff game. Pierre Lebrun put it best on Twitter saying that finally there's something going on in this series because apparently low scoring games with shutouts as for goaltenders and having great displays of goaltending, apparently that's bad for hockey. I'm sorry, I liked it, but you know what? Maybe a little fisticuffs in high scoring, maybe that can be okay. In small doses, of course. You can only do so much of that. But 
Big win for the Habs. Game six tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Brandon Gallagher is questionable because obviously cross-checked to the head. They're giving him some CT scans right now. Has not left the bubble, but he's going to play, right? I mean, it's Brandon Gallagher. It's the playoffs. And I know that you have the concussion protocol and everything, but it was his jaw that got hit, guys. This was not, this was not his head. It was a cross-check high, but it wasn't something that, you know, I mean, they're all, it's all precautionary, the CT scans. This is not enough, though, to keep Gallagher out of the lineup for tomorrow night. He is a guy that is a heart and soul guy on this team, and the fact that he was able to play like he used to, vintage Gallagher in Game 5, that really helped spearhead the Montreal, I guess the spirit and the team, to get the win last night, now going into Game 6 tomorrow night. That's huge because now you have that little sense of doubt now if you're the Philadelphia Flyers. The offense kind of clicked for Montreal. Yes, Armia scored twice, and Carey Price, big game for him. He had a few big saves. And so did Carter Hart, though. He was able to respond well after giving the alleged fourth goal. He only gave up three. And you know what? It's going to come down to the penalties again. Who can get, you know, who can stay out of the box? Obviously, emotions are running high now at this series as this series now wears on. Be a little bit chippy. And I wonder, I would like to think that the NHL, at least the officials crew, are going to send out Wes McCauley in this game. And I know, listen, everyone's like, oh my gosh, you have a love affair with Wes McCauley. Yes, he's a great ref. And he knows what playoff hockey's like, and he knows what to let go and what not to let go. So I would like to think that he'd be the one to call this game as, the, as one of the refs because he knows that these teams are going to get at each other, and the players respect Wes McCauley, having been a former player himself, played Division One, played at Michigan State, played in the – I believe he made played some in the NHL. Don't have, his, don't have his hockey DB in front of me. But he does, obviously, have professional hockey experience. So he knows what he knows what the players think. The players know what he'll think. So they'll know what to not do and what to what they can get away with, I guess you can say, with Wes McCauley wearing the orange stripes. So 7 o'clock tomorrow night, big game. Will the Habs force a game 7? We will wait and see. The other game that happened last night, Vancouver and St. Louis. The series was tied at 2, so a very important game 5. After the Blues won game four, seemingly had all the momentum heading into last night's game. And after Jake Allen really proved the fact that maybe it's Jake Allen of old, the number one goaltender St. Louis wanted, what, three or four years ago. He had 22 saves in the game four win. And then game five, everyone was on edge because Vancouver was it this going to be, it was going to be a choke job by Vancouver. Vancouver, it's been a while for them being the playoffs. Usually it's one St. Louis's kind of flaming out in the first round. But after winning the cup, now they have expectations. And it was looking good early. A power play for the Blues went awry when Alex Petrangelo's shot, well, attempted shot went awry because his stick broke on him. Tyler Mott picks up the puck. Michigan boy, Tyler Mott. Not exactly why I'm wearing the shirt. I'm also wearing it because of the fact that you have guys like, well, there's Tyler Mott and Quinn Hughes playing for both for Vancouver. Okay, maybe I'm a little bit biased towards Vancouver in this series. Hence the Michigan shirt. But Tyler Mott gets the puck, comes in, and Petriangelo, who has been a Norris candidate before, a top defenseman in this league, captain of the Blues, absolutely dangles him with the windmill one hand. Petriangelo goes off and decides, I'm going to go visit Calgary over here because he was long gone. Mott with a pretty goal. Tyler Mott with a pretty goal. Now listen, for those that may have watched him at Michigan, they said, oh, but he scored so many great goals in college. He has not done that in the National Hockey League. So seeing that, is obviously optimism, optimism, excuse me, for Vancouver. However, the Blues came back. Blues showed their muscle. Like, all right, 
we're the Stanley Cup champions. We got this. You have a goal scored by... What am I looking at here? I'm sorry. I was looking at my notes wrong. Two goals take the lead. One of them, which by Ryan O'Reilly, right before the end of the first period, a bank shot off the stick of a defenseman, and it looked like St. Louis had all the control because, once again, those late goals and periods, those end up being killers. But maybe Vancouver's going to come back. Maybe they're going to get something going. And then Curtis San- or Sanford, Curtis Sanford scores on a shot that beats Marks from Glove High. And I said right there to myself, because the wife was working last night, I'm like, well, series is over because no way Vancouver can come back and force a game seven if they lose this game five because they'll be out in six. And you know what? Hey, they made the playoffs. Good experience for the young kids. Moral victories, yada, yada, yada. But then Vancouver says, no, we are not going to fold like that. JT Miller scores on another one. A little bit of a squeaker. Good hard battle in front. Somehow snuck by Jake Allen. And then shotgun, Jake Vertanen. Everyone grab a beer. Shotgun a beer for Jake Vertanen. Actually scores on a goal. A very weak one, albeit, but a goal nonetheless for Jake Vertanen. And then Tyler Mott scores his second goal of the game. Someone please tell me the last time Tyler Mott scored a scored two goals in a game. Has he ever done it for Vancouver? I don't think so. But they were able to come all the way back and get the win. Four to two, the final for the Vancouver Canucks taking a 3-2 lead in the series. Jacob Markstrom, I, I know I keep saying him. I keep saying his name. And it's not just because he gets more shots. Okay, maybe a little bit. But how about the save he made early in the second period? When the game was 2-1 at that time, shot that goes off the ref, bounce out in front. Markstrom's going behind the net thinking he's going to play it in the trapezoid. He has to jump back out in front. Is able to kind of do like a windmill thing with the blocker to make the save. And made a huge save right shortly thereafter. 36 saves in the win last night for Jacob Markstrom. I Listen, I know you have guys like Pedersen producing. JT Miller's having a great playoff. But I'll be honest, guys, the MVP right now for Vancouver. Win or lose this series, Jacob Markstrom. Except game one against Minnesota, where the two squeakers beat him. He has been the game. He's been the X factor. And I know that's a phrase that you hear all too often in sports, but he is the guy right now that determines whether or not Vancouver wins or loses this series. When he's on, when he's sensational, no chance for the other team. He allows one or two maybe goals that he wants back. You're right. Then the other team has a chance to win. But he's able to make those big saves when you need them, and that's what he did last night to keep the Canucks in the game before they were able to make their comeback on the scoreboard. Game six tomorrow night, 7.45 local time in Edmonton, 9.45 Eastern time. You don't know what's going to happen. It's honestly exciting because you have the Stanley Cup champions on the ropes against a young Vancouver team that doesn't know what it's like to finish off a series. Will inexperience come out to the forefront and experience kind of take over in this series to go have a game seven on Saturday? Saturday? No, it would be Sunday. Sunday. Or will Vancouver pull it out? Will Markstrom have another good game? Will the offense be there? The power play has got to come back for Vancouver. The power play that was hot early on in this postseason. It's kind of gone a little bit quiet over the last couple of games. They're going to need that if they want to try to make some hay and finish off the defending Stanley Cup champions. And it's kind of funny. It was just this morning I read the article by Sean McIndoe, Down Goes Brown on The Athletic. He wrote a piece about how, or you're talking about the most, I guess, the saddest upsets in the first round. And Vancouver was in quite a few of them. And of course, there was Washington's early on, Washington 2010 and 2008. So there were there were some tough losses in there, and wouldn't it be inter- shockingly enough though, not the 2003 Detroit Red Wings, 
the Superpower 2002 champs go into a series against Anaheim thinking this would be a cakewalk, and then they get swept. Oh, that was not on the list. Interesting. Would this be on that list had the, had the report been done next season? We'll have to wait and see. And also judge the fact, does it deserve to be in it? Because it was, anyways, regardless, moving on now to the two games we have tonight. First, 8 o'clock puck drop tonight for game five between the Washington Capitals, the three seed, against the New York Islanders, the six seed Islanders. Unfortunately, not able to cap off the series. Hey, cap off the series because they're the Washington Capitals. Yay, the coffee's still there and doing things. Washington was able to stage off elimination, and boy, if you watched that first period, you thought, well, Washington, you got your cup a couple years ago. You partied hard. It's over. Good to see you guys later. We'll see you next season. We'll see you in January. J.G. Pajot with a tip. Big pickup at the deadline for the Islanders. Matthew Barzell tips in a Nick Letty pass. He's been on a good little run here in the last couple of games. And, man, 2 nothing. All right. The Islanders' defense, Barry Trotz's defense, is going to bunker down. Barlamov's looking good. But then the Capitals started to score. Now, yes, ladies and gentlemen, if this were November of this season, like, well, yeah, of course the Capitals scored. They have one of the best offenses in the league. This is an offense that has been so quiet that even the fans that they have in Edmonton, the literal fans, can hear them or couldn't even hear them because they've been so quiet. But they were able to come back. That made more sense in my head, by the way. Just letting you know. They were able to come back. A nice little move by Evgeny Kuznetsov to get to the front of the net and make a play towards the goal. And everyone's like, oh, bad goal by Varlama. But, well, it's a defenseman, Ryan Pollock, that knocks it into the goal. Albeit, nice move by Kuznetsov. Leads to a goal. 2-1. Still a lead for the Islanders. But then Alexander Ovechkin's like, I can score goals. Blast of a one-timer on a power play. Makes it 2-2. And then... In the third period, all of a sudden, was still the second period. Regardless, he shoots from the right side of the ice, on the right wing, and he's able to pull it back and fire it, and he scores from the right side of the ice. Not the one-timer, guys. A wrist shot by Alexander Ovechkin. I know. It's crazy. He did it, though. He's able to make it 3-2, and that's all they needed. Braden Holpe looked good. 24 saves in the game, 13 in the first period, and that game could have. this game could have been a lot more widespread. I don't think the Capitals would have been able to come back from anything more than a two-goal deficit. Brayden Holpe was outstanding. Despite the two goals against him in that first period, he was able to really keep the Capitals in it. Similar how Jacob Markstrom played late last night, was able to keep the Canucks in that game. Holpe's efforts in the first period were a key contributor on the why the fact that Washington was able to come back and get the win. One of the big things, though, because Washington got themselves in some serious penalty trouble, and the Islanders had some great opportunities to bury the Capitals. 0 for 5, though, with the man advantage for the Islanders last night. That's something they got to figure out. I know this team doesn't have the same kind of offensive onslaught and the offensive ability as the Washington Capitals, but in a game like this, in a series like this, you need special teams to, to be able to click. We saw it last night. Not last night. Yes, last night with Philadelphia and Montreal. Two goals by Jakub Boracek. Ended up really being a game changer in the game because those two goals gave Philly the lead. Now, yes, Montreal's able to come back, but you know what I mean. Having your power play be effective can be a game changer, a series changer even. So if Islanders can't get that power play going, maybe Washington can creep back in. 
Yeah, fortunately, the game is going to be an hour after this show wraps up. 8 o'clock puck drop in Toronto. What's going to happen? Varlamov's going to have to be sharp 100%. He's obviously now, with Ovechkin, maybe feeling it now, getting a little bit getting a little bit warm in the stick. Not, not enough to burn his hands yet. Doesn't have to do that dumb celebration he did those years ago. But he start, if, he gets, if he gets going offensively, Islanders are going to have a rough time. Barry Trotz obviously knows Alexander Ovechkin. But you can only do so much and try to cover him. Because once Ovechkin gets that shot off, all chaos may happen with that. Backstrom is a game-time decision, though, for the Capitals. He's been out for a while, been out since game one. But if he can come back and be a contributor to the offense in any facet, just be, simp- just be a guy on the power play, just be an option out there, that could really open things up, not just for Ovechkin, but everyone else in the Washington roster. John Carlson up at the top. You could have all those guys ready to go, rearing to get the offense going, just because having an addition like Backstrom in the lineup. So watch out. This game could get really interesting, and this could make it a very interesting series. Game six, albeit if necessary, would be tomorrow night. Game seven would be on Sunday if necessary. So we'll have to wait and see how that one goes. Last series to talk about here, Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. A series that until game four, I thought Calgary had in the bag. Was it 2-1 heading to game four? Yeah, but Calgary was looking good. Offense is clicking. Matthew Kachuk was there. Cam Talbot was making big saves, and Matthew Kachuk went out of the lineup, and it just seems like it deflated the Calgary Flames. Obviously, the huge collapse in that game four, and then game five, Dallas just just a big, fat shutdown. Anton Hudobin only had to make 28 saves, only 29 shots for the Calgary Flames. John Klingberg, another goal, a nice shot from the point, a good wrist shot that made its way through traffic, ended up being the game-winning goal. After Jamie Benn with a pretty shorthanded goal after Tyler Sagan set him up, crashing the net, but the goal counted. Bob Backlund, as I like to call him, Michael Backlund scored one for the Flames, but... Didn't prove proved not to be enough. And let me tell you, the big thing in this game five was the fact that it took so long for Calgary to get going. I say 28 saves for Anton Hudobin. 14 of them came in the third period. This is a Calgary Flames team that on, on paper has a better offense than the Dallas Stars. Yes, Matthew Kachuk still out of the lineup going into tonight's game. Been out of the lineup for game five, most of game four. But at what point do your other guys step up? Sam Bennett, who has been one of the most criticized flames over the past three or four years, has been on fire offensively, but yet Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau are not. Yes, I, I, I want to, I really, really, really want people to stop asking, what's wrong with Johnny Gaudreau? What happened to Johnny Gaudreau? What's wrong with Johnny Hockey? Guys, he's not good in the playoffs. Accept the fact. Accept it. Because he's never going to be a playoff contributor. He is Kent Nielsen. All of you people that are old enough to know who I'm talking about, there, Kent Nielsen was the reason why the Flames could not win a darn game in the postseason because he was never a guy that could be relied upon. Yes, you're right. During the regular season, magician with the puck. Big points, big point getter, was probably the second best player in the in the province of Alberta. Obviously, Wayne Gretzky being the first. But the fact of the matter is, is that he's. I don't think he'll ever be a playoff performer. Now, Sean Monahan, on the other hand, that's a guy that 
I would expect to have a big game, to be big in these situations when Calgary needs to win. Dallas leads 3-2 to end tonight. They can end the series. But if Calgary's offense isn't there, it doesn't matter what Cam Talbot does. Cam Talbot, who's putting in a 2017 Cam Talbot effort right now, trying to just say, come on, guys, we can keep going. We can move on to round two. If the offense isn't there for Calgary, they're done. Anton Udoman will probably get the start tonight for the Stars. They don't need 10 goals to win a hockey game. They need three because if Calgary's flame, Calgary's offense goes quiet, if you don't have guys like Monahan producing, Kachuk style of the lineup, if Michael Backlund can't, Michael Backlund can't lead this team offensively. He's been playing well. He's been putting up points, putting up num- good numbers in this series, but he's not going to lead this team. You got to have your big gun step up, especially when it matters most, which is tonight. 10.30 puck drop Eastern time, 8.30 local time in Edmonton. It is going to be important. Will Calgary be eliminated tonight? Will the Islanders knock off the Capitals? Will Jacob Markstrom lead the Canucks tomorrow night in a win over St. Louis, or will St. Louis survive another day? Can the Montreal Canadiens pull off some Cinderella upset, or will Philadelphia finally finish them off tomorrow night? We will all have to wait and see. Make sure you tune in, folks, though, for Monday's show, because come Monday, we will be talking about round two with our round two preview. I'll be in Denver. Alex will be here side-by-side screens. You'll see both of our lovely faces. It'll be interesting, obviously, because wireless connections and all that stuff, but it'll be fun. We'll, we've tested it out. should work for sh- Well, maybe not for sure. I'm not going to wood. Hopefully all goes well. I'll be there on Monday, 6 o'clock start time here on 12 Ounce Sports. If you weren't able to watch all of today's episode, that's fine. It's okay. Because you want to know why? Because you can watch it tomorrow on the Kiel Show YouTube channel. We'll have the replay for you. Also, the audio recording from today's episode on Google Podcasts, App Podcasts, whatever your favorite podcatcher is, will be on there. You can listen to us. If you get sick of this beautiful face, if you do get sick of this beautiful face, well, I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I can only do so much. I can only pamper so much before every show. Coming up next here on 12 Ounce Sports will be the Profits. They'll have some more football talk, some more baseball talk, some more basketball talk, basketball playoffs going on. Raptors are up 2-0, I believe, because they barely squeaked out a win yesterday. Make sure you talk about today's episode by using the hashtag TKS at the Cule Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you also make sure you give us a follow as well. Like us, you know, do what you gotta do. We always post fun stuff on all of our on all of our networks. I always like we always like to post some fun stuff during the games on Twitter. And we post good, well, decent photos on Instagram and some dumb videos before shows, at least when we're both here. But that is it for this week's show, folks. Thank you all once again for tuning in to this week's episode of The Kula Show. We once again will be live 6 o'clock on Monday here on 12 Ounce Sports for our round two preview show. Maybe we'll have some guests. Maybe. Stay tuned for that on Monday. I'm Ty Kula signing off here on this Thursday evening, this quick shift edition of TKS. We will see you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.